Section 5 of Abe and Morris. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Abe and Morris. Being Further Adventures of Potash and Perlmutter by Montague Glass. Chapter 4. The Raincoat King. The table is all right, Morris, Abe Potash remarked as he consulted the time card of the Long Island Railroad one hot July afternoon. The table is all right. I ain't kicking about the table, you understand, but the class of people which they stay in the house, Morris, is pretty schlack. My Rosie couldn't get along with him at all. You don't tell me, Morris replied. Riesenberger's has got a big reputation, Abe, and when me and Minnie stayed there two years ago, there was an elegant class of people stopping in the house. Would you believe me, Abe? I tried to get up a game of auction pinnacle there, and I couldn't do it. Nobody would play less than a dollar a hundred. I'm surprised to hear the places run down so. Oh, if the house got a big reputation for auction pinnacle, Morris, then that's something else again. They play just as high as former times. Sidney Coblin lost forty dollars last night. With my own eyes, I seen it, Morris. His father looks on and don't say nothing. What does Max Coblin care for forty dollars, Abe? Morris said. The fellow's a millionaire. He's got ten pages of advertising in the Cloak and Suit Monthly Gazette. I bet you he spends more as forty dollars for one page already. Wait, I'll show it to you. Morris opened the green-covered periodical and displayed a full-page ad. Max Coblin, King of Raincoats. Coblinette. The Rainshed Fabric. West 20th Street, New York. Sure, I know, Morris. Abe commented. He was always a big fake of that fella. Twenty years since already, I used to eat by Gifkins on Canal Street, and one day, Max Coblin comes in and says to me, Abe, he says, I want you should drink a bottle of champagne and wine on me. In them days, Max works for old man Zutowski, selling boys reefers. Raincoats is like automobiles. No one had discovered him yet. What's the matter, Max, I says. Old man Zutowski giving you a raise, I says. Raise nothing, Max says. I got a boy up to my house. So I says, just because he got a boy, Max, I should get a headache and neglect my business, I says. Take the dollar and a quarter, Max, I says, and put it in the savings bank, and every time you give the boy a penny, make him put it away with the other money, I says. And the first thing you know, Max, I says, when the boy gets to be 20 years old, he's got anyhow a couple of hundred dollars in the savings bank. And what did Max say? Morris asked. He laughs at me, Morris, Abe replied. He says to me when that boy gets to be 20 years old, he wouldn't need to gotta have a couple of hundred dollars in the savings bank. I give him all the money he wants it. Well, Max was right, ain't it? Morris rejoined. He can give the boy all the money he wants. Money ain't everything what that boy wants, Morris, Abe said. A good potch on the side of the head once in a while is what that boy wants. So fresh that young fella is Morris, he wouldn't believe it at all. Actually, he runs an automobile, what Max bought it for him for $1,500, a birthday present. Besides, the other big car which Copeland got it. Max also runs automobiles at Sydney's age. Peace goods on a push cart from old man Zutowski's to the sponges was all that automobiling Max done it. Today, they are putting on styles yet, suckers. Well, say, Abe, Morris protested, what is it a skin off your nose? Supposing Max does buy automobiles for the boy. This is a free country, Abe. Sure, I know, Morris, Abe declared, as he revealed the nub of the whole matter. And supposing my Rosie don't play poker, 
Wretch got say dang she couldn't tell a king from an ace. What is it that Mrs. Copeland's business? She ain't supposed to know that, Morris, and yet she didn't invite my Rosie to her poker party. Rosie wouldn't have gone anyhow, Morris, but that ain't the point. Ain't my Rosie just as good as Mrs. Klinger or Mrs. Ellenbogen? Particularly Mrs. Ellenbogen, which three years ago even, Kleiman and Ellenbogen was still rated ten to fifteen thousand, third credit. Only in the last two years they're coming up so, and the way that Mrs. Ellenbogen acts, you would think her husband got a bank in Frankfurt on Main when Rothschild was a new beginner yet. Such fake as a zem is too good for my Rosie Morris. An idea. What do you worry yourself about women's fighting, Abe? Morris asked. Me worry myself, Morris? Abe cried. I much care for them people, Morris. I'm married to my Rosie now, going on twenty-six years. We'll be next May. And if I didn't know that she's got it on every one of them cows and looks, in refinement, and in every which way, Morris, and I could worry, Morris. As it is, Morris, for my part, they could play poker till they're black in the face. What's it my business? I got enough to attend to here in the store, Morris, without I should bother myself. I bet you, Morris agreed fervently. That reminds me, Abe, Shapolnik is leaving us on Saturday. Well, Morris, I couldn't exactly break my heart about that, you understand? Abe replied. Skirt cutters, he could always get plenty of them. What's the matter? He ain't satisfied. Nothing's the matter, Morris said. He's simply going into the pants business. His brother-in-law's got a small place downtown. He's going as partners together with him. They ought to make a success of it, too, Abe, if nerve would got anything to do with it. That fellow actually wants me. I should give him an introduction to Fader of the Kosciuszko Bank. Sure, why not? Abe commented. Why not? Morris repeated. What would Fader think of us if we bring in a yokel like Shapolnik into his office? The feller ain't been two years in the country yet. Don't knock a feller like Shapolnik just because he ain't putting on no front, nor throwing no bluffs, Morris, Abe retorted. It's the faker with those four-carat diamond pin which is doing his credit as Morris. Both the yokel with the soup on his coat pays a hundred cents on the dollar every time. Half an hour later, Abe conducted his retiring skirt-cutter to the Fifth Avenue branch of the Kosciuszko Bank and as they approached the corner of 19th Street on their return, they encountered Max Koblen, the raincoat king. He was about to enter the tonneau of an automobile, while Sidney Koblen, the heir apparent, sat at the tiller, arrayed in a silk duster and goggles. Max grinned maliciously as he noted Abe's shabby, bearded companion. Always entertaining the out-of-town trade, Abe, he said. Abe relaxed his features in what he intended for a smile, but afterward he turned to Shapolnik with a scowl. Only one thing I gotta tell you, Shapolnik, he declared. Nowadays, if a fellow wants to make a success, he must gotta wear good clothes and look like a mensch, you understand? Never harms in business, Shapolnik, that a fellow should throw sometimes once in a while a little bluff. Between the ages of sixteen and twenty, Sidney Colblin had so often tested the maxim, boys will be boys, that Max Colblin's patience at length became exhausted. Do you mean to told me you ain't got one cent left from the forty I gave you on Saturday? Max asked on the Monday morning following Shapolnik's resignation. Oh, what's biting you? Sidney cried. You sat behind me last night. 
if it wouldn't been for you it wouldn't have played that last four hundred hand at all cost forty eight dollars yet a vice of yours this was a facer to be sure and max paused before formulating a rejoinder in the first place sidney he began you didn't got no right to lead no trump i told you before lots of times if you got the extra ten get rid of your meld first and in the second place sidney i wouldn't stand for your extravagance no longer it's time you turned around and attended to business ah oh, you never give me no show sidney protested you keep me monkeying around while other young fellows is out on the road look at morty savin and all them boys sure i know max rejoined they got heads on em you couldn't add up eight figures together and at your age for a fellow to write a hen like that sidney what are you kicking about sidney exclaimed when you was my age you couldn't sign your name even well that ain't here nor there sidney max replied as he pulled out a bill from the roll which he produced from his trousers pocket here's ten dollars and that's got to last you till saturday night you understand sidney grunted as he tucked the bill into his waistcoat he had heard the same ultimatum once a week for the past two years and he whistled cheerfully as he dispatched one of the stock boys for a package of cigarettes an hour later he lunched at hammersmith's while abe potash sat at an adjacent table as he consumed a modest portion of rosbraten abe noted with a disapproving eye the cherry stone clams green turtle soup and filet chateaubriand which formed the menu of the heir apparent and when the latter topped off his meal with a half pint of dry champagne and a cafe parfait abe seized his hat and fairly ran from the restaurant if nobody would tell that fellow coblin what a low-life bum he got for a son morris he said as he entered the firm's private office ten minutes later i will actually with my own eyes i seen it that fella eats for five dollars a lunch he ain't with a customer nor nothing what is it your business what sidney coblin is eating abe morris rejoined if you wouldn't notice every mouthful that fella puts in his face at all you would be back here a whole lot sooner there's a fellow waiting for you in the showroom half an hour since who is he abe asked i think it's that mr hooses from seattle what he was here last fall and nearly bought from us them polo coats i couldn't tell his face exactly but you remember what a swell dresser that fellow was abe peered through the screen that divided the rooms i think you're right morris he said i couldn't remember his name morris added and that's why i didn't talk much to him all i says was you'd be in soon i gave him a cigar from the safe abe nodded and walked hurriedly out of the office as he approached his caller he extended his right hand how do you do he exclaimed as he shook his visitor warmly by the hand you're looking fine the visitor smiled in return i thought you were going to tell me that he replied yes indeed you're looking a whole lot better than the last time i seen you abe said when did you get in i am here now going on half an hour already well why didn't you talk to my partner abe said he could fix you up just as well as me i did talk to him the newcomer replied but he is too stuck up to talk to me at all stuck up abe exclaimed with a note of real anguish in his tones stuck up 
why you don't know my partner at all mr uh excuse me do you got a card the stranger drew a card from his waistcoat pocket and with a proud gesture handed it to abe it read as follows z katzberg i shop five thirty west washington place new york katzberg and shop fine pants i am taking your advice mr potash he said i am taking your advice all around i cut him off you cut what off abe asked the whiskers mr potash also i am making short the name in rusland shapolnik is all right mr potash but if a fellow wants to make a success in business he should be a, a little up to date ain't it the cordial smile faded from abe's face as he recognized his visitor there's such a thing as being too much up to date shapolnik he said you ain't got no right to fool my partner like that me you couldn't fool for a minute right away i says to myself here's a fellow which he wants to ask us something we should do him a favor so spit it out shapolnik what is it you want from us well it's like this mr potash shapolnik began me and my partner we are wanting to take on somebody for a drama you understand we must got it someone which he's already got a trade but he couldn't ask for too much money at the start on account we're going slow if you know some young fellow which he wants the job me and my partner will be much obliged mr potash what do you think we're running here anyway shapolnik abe retorted an employment agency i'm just taking chances might you would know somebody maybe shapolnik murmured as he rose to his feet he seemed much relieved at abe's refusal and i hope you don't think i'm doing something out of the way you know mr potash me and my partner we think a whole lot of your judgment and if you would give us some advice you're willing we should follow it well i ain't mad at you shapolnik abe said more mildly but all the same if you want to get a drama you got a right to advertise for one we would do so shapolnik replied and if you would be in a nachbarschaft once in a while mr potash me and my partner would consider it an honor if you were dropping in to see us we only got a small place mr potash he paused and fingered the texture of his waistcoat but everything will be up to date mr potash he concluded just like you advised us to abe watched his late skirt cutter disappear into the elevator and then he returned to the office where morris impatiently awaited him new abe morris cried as he entered yes morris abe said with cutting emphasis good cigars don't care who smokes em i suppose if nathan the shipping clerk would come in here with a collar and a tie on and a clean shave we'd want to blow a bottle of champagne wine yet huh just because a fellow shaves off his beard and buys himself a new suit of clothes you couldn't recognize him at all that was shapolnik which just went out of here shapolnik morris exclaimed that dude was shapolnik well what do you think for a crook like that crooked shapolnik ain't exactly abe interrupted but it should be a lesson to you morris that you wouldn't be so free with our cigars all the fellow wants from us is we should recommend him a drummer the nerve the fellow got it morris cried he comes around here throwing bluffs he needs a drummer yet a new beginner like him going to hire no drummer abe 
I bet you he takes his pants under his arms and sees him 14th Street buyers on his way downtown in the morning. He ain't got no more use for a German than I got it for an airship. My turrets if he has, or he hasn't, Abe exclaimed. I anyhow told him he should advertise for one. As we are not running an employment agency here, Morris. And so, Morris, let's get busy on that order for Greaseman. I want to get away from here short, five o'clock today. What is the good of him staying down at Riesenberger's if I never get a show to take it once in a while? A sea bath, maybe. Nevertheless, it was ten minutes past five before Abe boarded a cross-town car, and although he made a wild sprint from the ferry landing on the Long Island side, he arrived at the train shed just in time to see the rear platform of the 545 for Arvine disappearing in a cloud of black smoke. He returned to the waiting room, and as he was sadly inspecting the outer pages of the comic periodicals displayed in the newsstand, a heavy hand clapped him on the shoulder. Hello, Abe, cried a hearty voice, and Abe turned to view the perspiring features of Max Koblen, the raincoat king. Abe returned the salutation without much enthusiasm. Why ain't you going down the automobile, Max? he asked. Millionaires ain't got no excuse for missing trains like ordinary people. Max laughed in an embarrassed fashion. Millionaires has got their troubles too, Abe, he said, even when they ain't millionaires. I should have your trouble, Abe commented. I got enough, Abe, believe me, Max rejoined. Everything I gotta look after myself. My credit man leaves me next week, and I got other worries besides that one too. Sure, I know. Abe said, as they started for the smoker of the 610. And the biggest one you got only yourself to blame for it. What do you mean, Abe? Max asked. I mean this, Max, Abe declared. I'm knowing you now since 20 years already. And if I'm buttoning in, you could know it ain't because I'm fresh, you understand? But because I got your interests at heart. That boy of yours goes too far, Max. Max drew a cigar from his waistcoat pocket and carefully bit off the end. How so? he inquired. Well, in a whole lot of ways, Max, Abe continued after they were seated. And mind you, I know it ain't none of my business, Max, but when I see that boy come into Hammersmith's today and eat for five dollars a lunch with a bottle of champagne wine yet, Max, I couldn't help myself. I gotta say something. Max scowled and spat out the end of his cigar. Of course, Max, Abe added, using his partner's metaphor. It ain't no skin off my nose, you understand? Ain't it? Max growled as he turned on Abe with a menacing glare. Well, it's a wonder it ain't, the way you're sticking it into other people's business. If you think I care what you think about what my boy eats for lunch, you are making a big mistake. I could take care of my own boy, Potash, and I'm just as much obliged if you would do the same. Abe flushed a fiery red and rose to his feet. I guess I'd go into the next car, he said. You could go a whole lot farther for all I care, Max retorted, and immediately buried his head between the open pages of a conservative evening paper. Abe had not offended in vain, however, for after dinner that night, when Sidney sought his father in the Koblenz suite at Riesenberger's cottage, the king was in an ugly mood. Say, Pop, Sidney began, how about you for a twenty till Saturday night? What do you mean? 
Max bellowed. Ain't I given you ten dollars only this morning? Sidney laughed uncomfortably. Ain't you the old tightwad? He said. Max's reply to this observation was quite unprecedented in all Sidney's experience. It took the form of an open-handed blow on the cheek, the first ever administered by his indulgent parent since Sidney's infancy. Forthwith began a family row that brought the entire household, guests, servants, and proprietress, on the run to the Koblen apartments. When Mrs. Koblen's frightened screams had ceased, and Max Koblen had calmed down sufficiently to offer an evasive explanation, the guests trooped back to the piazza, and three games of auction pinochle, which had started in the dining room after the tables had been cleared, came to an abrupt close. Instead, the players foregathered with the other guests in the porch rockers. There they discussed the incident until nearly midnight, and as no one had been an eyewitness of the affray, there were as many versions of it as may be mathematically demonstrated, where one blow is struck among three persons. Some had it that Sidney had attacked his father, and others that Mrs. Koblen had assaulted Sidney. But a large feminine majority favored a construction of the matter as one of wife-beating. Abe alone correctly surmised the turn that Sidney's affairs had taken, and he sat on the piazza in conscience-stricken solitude, long after all the other guests had retired. He blamed himself for the entire affair, and he smoked cigar after cigar before he sought his bed. As he walked up the broad staircase, he met Max Koblen at the first landing. Max, he said, where are you going this time of night? Max stopped short, his eyes blazed in a face so careworn and haggard that to Abe he seemed to have aged ten years since their meeting that afternoon. This is what becomes of your butting in, Max cried bitterly. The boy went out right after we had the fuss and he had come back. He paused to choke down a hysterical lump in his throat. And God knows what's become of him, he sobbed as he continued down the stairs. Abe tossed on his pillow all night, and when at breakfast he learned that Sidney Koblen had not returned, he swallowed with difficulty a cup of coffee, and left a steak, two eggs, and a plate of French fried potatoes entirely untasted. Thus he was enabled to catch the 7.5 instead of the 7.30 train. When he found himself at the 34th Street Ferry with almost half an hour to spare, he determined to walk to the store. He trudged across 34th Street with his hands in his pockets and his head bent toward the pavement, a prey to the most bitter reflections. And as he turned the corner of Fifth Avenue, he failed to notice, walking in the opposite direction, a tall youth, well-dressed save for soiled linen. The latter's eyes showed traces of unmistakable tears and as they too were bent upon the pavement, there ensued a violent collision, which almost threw Abe off his feet. "'Why don't you look where you're going?' he began, 
and then he recognized the object of his wrath sidney he yelled clutching young Koblin's shoulder where are you going let me alone sidney cried as he sought to free himself of a sidney he pleaded you mustn't act so strange with me did you get any breakfast yet sidney shook his head sullenly me neither abe cried come on over to the waldorf five minutes later they sat at a table in the palm room while abe ordered two whole portions of grapefruit a double portion of tenderloin steak souffle potatoes coffee waffles and honey now listen to me sidney he began you shouldn't get so mad at your father just because he licks he wants it you understand my poor father selig he knocks the face off of me regularly twice a week and i ain't none the worse for it sidney hung his head and made no reply furthermore sidney abe went on if you broke why don't you say so he pulled a roll of bills out of his pocket and handed sidney twenty dollars just a loan for a few days you understand he said as the waiter brought in a loaded tray or a year what's the difference ain't it now let's get busy together they polished off the entire trayful of food and when abe leaned back the waiter presented a check for ten dollars and eighty cents cheap at this price abe remarked as he added a generous tip to the amount of the bill and now sidney i suppose you're going back to the store no i ain't sidney said i ain't doing no good down there so what's the use the old man won't let me do nothing down there they all think i'm a joke well you see sidney abe commented that's the way it goes it's an old saying but a true one there's no profit for a feller in his own country and what's more sidney continued they ain't giving me a chance neither what i want to do is to sell goods on the road sure i know abe interrupted every young fellow wants to go on the road all they can see in it is riding in parlor cars and playing auction pinochle in four-dollar-a-day hotels believe me sidney selling goods on the road when you've been at it so long as i am it's a dog's life and as for auction pinochle that's poison for a salesman auction pinochle is nothing to me sidney declared i swore off another thing is lunches sidney abe went on ain't it funny thing what a lot of satisfaction it is when you're eating zweiback and a cup of coffee for lunch in the first place all it's costing you is ten cents and you feel like a prince many a big bill of goods i sold on zweiback and coffee sidney crackers and milk too and now sidney the best thing you could do is to go back and tell your old man you're through with auction pinnacle and high-priced lunches and you want him he should give you a show you should sell goods again sidney shook his head it ain't no use mr potash sidney declared pop ain't got no confidence in me if i was a greenhorn fresh from the old country he might let me start in and do something but at the word greenhorn abe potash leaned forward and struck the table with his open hand by jiminy sidney he cried i know the very job for you only one thing i must gotta say to you sidney you have gotta commence small so if what you're saying about auction pinochle and other monkey business goes sidney all right otherwise the thing is off sure it goes mr potash sidney cried abe looked the heir apparent squarely in the eye for two minutes and then he struck the table again i believe you sidney he said 
and we will right away take the car down to West Washington Place. Catsburg in shop occupied the top floor of an old private house, but what their place of business lacked in size, it made up in activity. Pressing irons were sizzling and banging, and sewing machines were burring loudly as Abe and Sidney climbed the stairs. When they entered, Shapolnik, the butterfly of fashion, had once more assumed the chrysalis of his working clothes. "'How do you do, Mr. Potash?' he cried, all in one breath. "'Excuse me, I'm looking like a slob. We are busy like dogs here. Catsburg!' he yelled. "'Kim and see here on.' In response, a stout figure clad only in an undershirt, trousers, and a pair of carpet slippers, laid down a pressing iron and shuffled toward the visitors. "'My partner, Mr. Katzberg,' Shapolnik announced. "'He also looks like a slop, Mr. Potash. But when we're getting partitions in and our office fixed up, no one would see him at all. He's the inside man, and me, I'm in the office and showroom. We're going to have a showroom so soon as we're settled. A safe, too. A telephone. We already got it. This is Mr. Potash Katzberg and the other gentleman. I don't know at all. Mr. Koblen, Abe explained. He's coming to work by you as a salesman. A salesman? Katzberg exclaimed. Why, we don't want no. Shapolnik turned on him with a glare. Katzberg, he said. Them samples you're working on. We got to show the magnet store this afternoon yet. Katzberg shrugged his shoulders and returned to his pressing, while Shapolnik drew forward two rickety chairs and a packing box. "'Have a seat, Mr. Potash, and Mr. Cohen, too,' he said. "'Koblen,' Abe corrected. "'Koblen,' Shapolnik repeated. "'Excuse me.' He went to a closet in the corner, and, unlocking it, he exposed the fashionable suit that he had worn at Potash and Perlmutter's the previous afternoon. From the right-hand waistcoat pocket, he took a red-banded invincible and handed it to Abe. "'Have a smoke, Mr. Potash,' he said. Abe examined the cigar closely and tucked it carefully away. Then he produced three panatellas, handed one each to Sidney and Shapolnik, and lit the other himself. "'About this here salesman, Mr. Potash,' Shapolnik commented, "'I think I changed my mind.' Abe blew a great cloud of smoke before replying, and then he placed an emphatic forefinger upon Shapolnik's knee. A new beginner, when he throws bluffs, Shapolnik, he said, has got to make good. You told me yesterday you wanted a salesman, and I'm bringing him to you. Shapolnik blushed. Sure, I know I told it to you, Mr. Potash, he said, but my partner thinks otherwise. Abe nodded. The only use some people got it for a partner, Shapolnik, he commented, is they could always blame him for everything they do. But even if you did come in my place just to show me what an elegant suit of clothes and a fine clean shave you got at Shapolnik, I'm bringing you a salesman anyhow. Katzberg at this juncture again laid down his pressing iron and came forward. Say, looky here, what's the use talking? He cried. We don't need a salesman and that's all there is to it. It's enough, Katzberg, Abe shouted. You got a whole lot much to say for yourself for a new beginner. I ain't saying you need a salesman, Katzberg. I'm only saying that you're going to hire one, Katzberg. And after you hire one, you will quick need him. Abe placed his hand on Sidney's shoulder. Here's a young fellow, which he ain't going to gamble or to fool away his time. He 
he's going to sell goods, he declared. He works for years by the biggest raincoat house in the country. He's got an acquaintance among the retail clothing trade, which it is easy worth to you $25 a week in the regular commissions. But we couldn't afford to pay no salesman $25 a week, Shapolnik exclaimed. Try me just one week, Sidney said, and I'll bring in enough cash to pay my salary. I forgot to say, Abe interrupted, that he's also got a lot of confidence in himself. Maybe I have, Sidney retorted, but I'm going to make good. Certainly you are, Abe added, rising from his chair, and now, Catsburg, the whole thing is settled. Catsburg shrugged and extended one palm outward in a gesture of despair. Seemingly we're not our own bosses here, he said. Seemingly not, Abe rejoined. But just the same, if you will take on this young fellow for a salesman, I would give you a guarantee it that I will make good all you would lose on him for the first three months. Is my word good enough? Sure it is, Shaponik cried. When will you come to work by us, Mr. Koblen? This morning, Abe answered for Sidney. Right now. And one thing I must got to you say, Sidney, before I go. Stand in your own shoes and don't try to excuse yourself on account you got a rich father. Also, if the old man makes you an offer, you should come back to him. Turn it down. Take it from me, Sidney. You got a big future here. With a parting handshake all around, Abe started back to his place of business. Five minutes later, he boarded a Broadway car, and when he alighted at 19th Street, he picked his way through a jam of vehicles which completely blocked that narrow thoroughfare. As he was about to set foot on the sidewalk, he caught sight of the gray, drawn countenance of the raincoat king who sat beside his chauffeur on the front seat of a touring car. "'Say, Max,' Abe cried, "'I want to speak to you a few words something.' Max Koblen turned his head and recognized Abe with a start. "'What do you want from me?' he said huskily. I want to tell you the boy's all right, Abe replied. The color surged to Mac's face, and he leaped wildly from the automobile. What do you mean, all right? he gasped. I mean, all right in every way, Max, Abe answered. And if you would step into Hammersmith's for a minute, they'll tell you all about it. Where is he? Max cried. Abe led the way to a table. He's where he should have been shown long since already he said as they sat down. He's got a job, and he's going to make good on it. What are you talking nonsense? Max exploded. Where's my Sidney? His mother is pretty near crazy. She shouldn't worry, Abe replied calmly. The boy's coming home tonight, and if I would be you, Max, I would see to it he pays anyhow eight dollars a week board. Once more, Max grew white, with anger this time. Jokes you're making with me. He bellowed, tell me where my boy is quick or I'll... Cush, Max, Abe interrupted. You're making a fool of yourself. I ain't hiding you, boy. Just listen a few minutes and I'll tell you all about it. Forthwith, he unfolded to Max a vivid narrative of that morning's adventures. When he concluded, Max had grown somewhat calmer. But potish, he protested. I don't want the boy he should work by somebody else. Let him come and sell goods by me. He couldn't do it, and you couldn't neither, Max, Abe said. 
if he goes back to you max you couldn't change the way you've been treating that boy ever since he was born and he sure will go back to the way he's been acting let the boy stay where he is max say looky here potash max burst out what are you butting into my affairs for i ain't competent to manage my own son abe deemed it the part of friendship to remain silent but max misconstrued his residence oh he exclaimed i see the whole business now you got an interest in this here pants factory and so you practically kidnapped my son you know what i think i think you're trying to jolly me into letting him stay there because you expect maybe i would invest some money in the business for two minutes abe gulped convulsively and blinked at the raincoat king in stunned amazement then he rose slowly to his feet all right coblin he said i heard enough from you i wash myself of the entire matter for my part you and your son can go to the devil and take it from me it won't be your fault if he don't when abe entered the firm's showroom that morning it was nearly half past eleven and morris perlmutter sat behind the pages of the daily cloak and suit record in a sulky perusal of the arrival of buyers column before he looked up he permitted abe to discard his coat for an office jacket you was taking a sea bath abe he said at length ain't it i suppose we'd pretty soon got to close up the store so as you could take all the sea baths you want what abe refrained from uttering a suitable rejoinder and made straight for the office morris he yelled ain't the safe open yet never mind is a safe open or not abe morris replied so long as you're attending to business the way you're already it ain't necessary the safe should be opened abe grunted and squatted down in front of the combination at length the big doors swung open and he drew the box of cigars out of the middle compartment morris looked on with ill-concealed curiosity while abe took a banded invincible from his waistcoat pocket and restored it to the box whence it originally came what's all that for morris asked that is a souvenir from a pleasant morning abe replied as he thrust the box of cigars back into the safe and slammed the doors he was about to return to the showroom when the telephone bell rang and morris took the receiver from the hook hello yes this is potash and perlmutter he's right here abe max coblin wants to talk to you he does eh abe replied well i don't want to talk to him you should tell him that yourself morris said as he walked away from the telephone i ain't got nothing to do with your quarrels abe watched morris disappear into the showroom and then he ran to the telephone and slammed the receiver onto the hook with force sufficient almost to wreck the instrument at intervals of a few seconds the telephone rang for more than half an hour fifteen minutes after it had ceased the elevator door opened and Max Koblin entered. Cutthroat! Koblin exclaimed. I rung up my son and he wouldn't come back. You're turning him against me. You and them other two crooks. You think you'd get my money out of me? Very well, I'll show you. I ain't through with you yet. I'll put you fellas where you belong. Don't make no threats, Koblin, Abe said calmly, because in the first place you couldn't scare me any. And in the second place, if you think I'm trying to keep your boy away from you, you're mistaken that's all i already wasted a whole morning on him 
and just to show you I ain't such a crook as you think I am, I'd go right down there now, and if I got to do it, I'd drag that young loafer out of there by the hair of his head. Twenty minutes later, Abe burst into Catsburg and Shop's business premises and asked in loud tones for Sidney Koblen. Before the astonished Chapolnik could reply, Max Koblen, who had followed Abe on the next car, arrived all breathless and panted a similar demand. "'He ain't in now,' Chapolnik replied. "'He's just going to his lunch.' "'What do you mean talking to me on the phone the way you did this morning?' Max shouted. "'You ain't got no business to keep my boy from me.' "'I ain't keeping your boy from you,' Chapolnik answered. "'And I would speak to you whichever way I would want. "'Who are you, anyway?' "'Cush, Chapolnik. Abe interrupted. You're talking too fresh. Mr. Coblin is right. You should fire that young fellow right away, because I'm telling you right here and now, I wouldn't guarantee nothing for him after this. What do I care what you would guarantee or what you wouldn't guarantee? Chapolnik replied. The young fellow already sold for us this morning for $500 a bill of goods, and he could stay with us so to not just as he wants. Furthermore, Mr. Potash, I don't give a snap of my fingers for your guarantee. This is my shop. If you don't want to stay here, you don't gotta. He seized a pressing iron in token that the interview was ended, and Abe and Max started for the stairs without another word. As they reached the sidewalk, Abe paused. Across the street, a dairy lunchroom displayed its white enamel sign, and through the plate glass window, he thought he discerned a familiar figure. He ran to the opposite sidewalk and entered the restaurant, closely followed by Max just as Sidney Koblin was eating the last crumbs of a portion of Zweiback and coffee. "'Hello, Sidney,' Abe said. "'What's the matter with you? Why don't you go back to your father?' Sidney rose to his feet and looked first at Abe and then at the Raincoat King. "'What for?' he asked nonchalantly. "'Because he asks you to,' Abe replied. "'And because I didn't got no right to butt in the way I did, Sidney.' After all, your father is your father. What's biting you now? Sidney exclaimed. Ain't you told me this morning I should do what I did? Abe nodded sadly. And didn't you say me and the old man couldn't give each other a square deal if we wanted to? Abe nodded again. Then I'm going to stick to my job, Sidney declared as he walked toward the cashier's desk. Abe and Max trailed after him, and when they reached the sidewalk, Max seized his son by the arm. Sidney, Laban, he said, listen to me. Come and eat anyhow a decent lunch, and we'll talk things over. What for? Sidney said. I've had as much as I want to eat, and besides, I've got to see a fellow up at the Prince Clarence Hotel. I'll be at Riesenberger's to dinner tonight about the usual time. Oh, you will, will you? Max cried. Well, all I got to say to you is you got to pay for it yourself. Sidney broke into a laugh. That worries me a whole lot, he said. I've made enough out of my commissions today already to pay a whole week's board down there. He turned and started across the street, but as he reached the curb, he paused. Tell Mama she shouldn't worry herself, he said. I'm all right. Max looked at Abe with a sickly grin. I think he is too, Abe, he murmured. Would you come over to Broadway and maybe take a little lunch with me? Zweiback and coffee's good enough for me, Abe replied. 
Max linked his arm in Abe's. You shouldn't be mad at me, Abe, he said sadly. I'm all turned upside down about that boy. And if Swyback and coffee is good enough for you and him, Abe, I guess it must be, too, good for me. But just the same I'm going to eat with you, Abe, and we'll let bygones be bygones. It was some weeks before Abe could bring himself to recount to Morris the full details of Sidney Koblen's regeneration. But Morris had learned the facts long before there appeared in the advertising section of the clothing and haberdashery magazine the following full-page advertisement. Katzberg, Shop and Koblen announced the opening of their new office and showroom in the Chicksaw Building, West 4th Street, New York. Makers of trousers for finicky folks. A headliner? The Rain Shed Pants, manufactured from the famous rainproof fabric Koblenet. Keeps the legs warm and dry. Spring line now ready. It caught Morris's eye one morning in January, and he read it over, not without envy. Some people's got all the luck, Abe, he said bitterly. I bet you, Abe replied without looking up from his order book which was overflowing with requisitions for spring garments. I bet you, Morris, you take my Rosie, for instance. At her age, you got no idea what a sport she is. Yesterday afternoon, she went to a bridge whist party by Mrs. Koblenz, and she won a sterling solid silver fern dish. And mind you, Morris, she only just found out how to play the game. Who learned her? Morris asked. Mrs. Klinger and Mrs. Ellenbogen, Abe replied. That's two fine women, Morris, particularly Mrs. Ellenbogen. End of section five.